Mink. 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 That's how we're beginning this episode. I'm just yelling. Mink. 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 Why are you doing this? Well, I don't know. Maybe she's fucking possessed by a demon and then the end when Peng hears Pong in the in the room and she just oh my going, god Mink <laughs> I hate that I, I guess we'll talk about it later yeah. oh Welcome to Slasher's Prefer Blondes, a podcast where three brunettes talk the kind of films that bite, scream, and slash. I'm Natalie. I'm Heidi. And I'm Laura. And today we're praying to the goddess Bayan as we exercise demons in Banjang Pisantinakun's 2021 film, The Medium. Yes. This week, it is a Heidi pick. So Heidi, you want to give us a little rundown as to why you chose The Medium as your pick for this month? Sure. I'm so excited to talk about this, you guys. I did break my rule. It's an unspoken rule, but I always try to make sure that we have one black and white film. But after Natalie and I watched this for the first time, like what, last month? I think it was, yeah, it was like early last month because I I saw this on a bunch of like end of year horror lists and was like, hey, Heidi, I think that you would like this movie. (laughs) And I Googled it and was like, possession done we're gonna watch it and literally from the moment that it first started i was like this movie's for me 100 percent. you do also you like found footage films don't you well i'm kind of picky about them but i don't dislike found footage films but as soon as we had gotten done watching this movie i texted natalie because we were talking about it and i was like i'm gonna pick this for the podcast like there was no doubt in my mind and I just love a possession film. I love them so much. And this is so good. And I'm so excited that we're talking about it. I will say that I'm kind of in the opposite camp. I don't really like possession films. And I haven't really interrogated why that is. I think maybe it's because a lot of them seem the same. But also I haven't seen that yeah. many. So I'm not sure I can really make that argument, you know, soundly. But I will say that I went into this with an open mind. And I ended up actually enjoying it much more than I thought I would. I watched it all the way through one time and then I was like, I'm just going to go back and rewatch the key scenes because I feel like there's no need to watch it a full time through again, just because there's not a lot to the story, I guess. But I ended up watching like most of it again (laughs) because it just drew me in. It sucked me in and would not let me go. It is so funny you say that because this is the third time I've seen it now. (laughs) I mean, I understand watching it more than one time, but for the sake of, and maybe that's why I like, my notes are kind of all over the place. Maybe a second full watch through again would have kind of solidified my initial thoughts. But I was like, eh, I'm just going to rewatch the key scenes. But I did end up watching more. I just, it's so good. Like, I will say, and I had texted Natalie this, I think, yesterday, because I was watching it again after I got home from dinner. And I was like, okay, like the end of the film, 
does start to drag a little bit for mm-hmm. me. And Natalie agreed. Well, I guess, Natalie, I could let you talk about that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we know what Natalie thinks. We're just going to talk for her this episode. So at this point, Natalie would say... <laughs> Sorry, Natalie. No, it's fine. It's it also fine. occurred to me that that was something that you had said to me. So, well, what I what I said was that on a second watch, a lot of the things that were working for me a lot the first time weren't yeah. working as well the second time. Mm. And I think that's purely just because you know what's going on. This movie is so wild that yeah. the first time you're watching it, you're just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, so, to be yeah. fair. We haven't said yet that this movie is two and a half hours long. Let's just put that out there. It's, it's like two hours and 11 minutes. It's it's two, it's 130 minutes. So it's two hours and 10 minutes long. It's long. And it's not as long as The Wailing, which like, God bless you, Natalie, for watching that with me and My Fair Lady. We love a long <laughs> movie, I guess. But like, it's it's a bit of an endurance run. And like, as you get towards the end, I feel like, Especially for this, like, the first time that you watch it, you are so caught up in it because it's just yeah. wild. And then the second time I was like, okay, I, I get what we're doing and, like, I appreciate the homages to, like, the predecessors of this genre. But also, let's let's make it happen. Like, I'm ready. Yeah. I, definitely, I definitely am glad that I watched it a second time. Like, obviously, yeah. I was going to watch it again for the podcast anyway. I did not watch it a third time because it is, as we noted, two hours long. But... Uh, <laughs> I am glad that I watched it a second time because after you know what's going on, mm-hmm. you pick up on a lot more. Absolutely. When you watch it again. Cause you're like, Oh, that's why this happened. Or like, that's, that's why this person was acting this way. Like all of that. Yeah. yeah that's why when I started the second run through, I ended up watching way more than I thought I was going to. Because yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, this, this scene seems insignificant, but actually it builds off of these other scenes and it has yeah. much more meaning. So yeah, the first watch through for me was like really, it's a very slow burn, but it doesn't, it didn't feel like it to me. It, I was very yeah. captivated for most of the movie. But like you said, going back, it's kind of like, oh, this could be taken out. This was a little too interesting. Well, we'll get to it later. But yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that like, originally that last half hour went by in a blip the first time I saw it. Because I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Mm-hmm. But then the second time I was like, yeah, no, this is still, yep, it's, we're still... We're nope, we're not done it. yet. Yeah. <laughs> and the initial signs that she's showing, like, we get it. She's becoming possessed. Like, can we, we need to speed it up a little bit. That is so interesting. I think the first hour of the film is the most engaging for me. And there is, like, nothing from the beginning of the film that I would remove. And I was talking about this with Nick yesterday. And I was like, the more that I think about it, like, other than the finale where it gets a little bit repetitive with some of it. I feel like everything else just like weaves together like so well that there's nothing that I I would cut from it except for like maybe one one thing but even then I don't even know. Well even then like when I think about the finale I think a lot of the finale is payoff for things that are mentioned throughout the fi- we'll talk yeah. about that later yeah. but um so like I don't even know what you would cut from the ending. I do think that there are beats in the middle where I was like this could be shorter but I would definitely cut some of the night cam footage. That they that's what in I was the house. thinking. Yeah. Oh, but I wouldn't do in fair, the house. To be fair, that because that's that's the first moment where I was really like, this doesn't play well. Okay, I'm I'm changing gears mid sentence right now. <laughs> <laughs> Watching this movie the second time, I kept like I think it's because of the faux documentary formatting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you tweak the score a little bit, and this becomes a parody of itself. 
I mean, that's valid. Oh, I get that. Um, you tweak the score just like a, a smidgen, and we have what we do in the shadows, but like for a tie possession movie. Yeah. Because some of the some of the things that happen are just so off the wall. Yeah. That like it could so easily be funny, but because the movie handles its te- its tension mm-hmm. pretty well. Uh-huh. it's not but then when you're watching it the second time you're like what the fuck is she doing like <laughs> yeah i'm glad you mentioned the score because it fucking slaps like there's not yeah. much to it but it, i think it really adds to the film in general it really builds yeah. the tension because like i could feel myself tensing up and i was mm-hmm. like why and i think it was well, of course because of what's happening on screen but also the music just made it that much more terrifying yeah. And yeah. the little musical cues, like when they find out different bits of information, it's like, boom. <laughs> yeah. It was it was really good. Just to go back to what you were saying, like earlier, Laura, I'm also not a huge possession film fan. Mm-hmm. I have seen quite a few, partially because I am such good friends with Heidi. But also, <laughs> just because, like, they're easy to find. Like, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And there was, like, that whole slew of them coming out, like, in the mid-2010s. It was like, you can't take mm-hmm. a breath without sucking in a possession film yeah um and so like yeah i've seen i've seen so many and i do think the biggest issue with them for me is that they do tend to be a little formulaic yeah mm-hmm. but the ones that are done really well i think really delve into like characterization or like have something yeah. that makes them a little different like I, my favorite possession films are like the taking of deborah logan so I think good. it was a really, really good one. I really liked the... I actually really liked the first Paranormal Activity movie. <laughs> I did too. I think it's awesome. Yeah. And I think the Conjuring, the main Conjuring films, like mm-hmm. one and two, they also Fuck did a really good job three. of that. <laughs> Burn it to the ground. I hated that movie so much, I just blacked it out of my mind. I was wildly disappointed in the third one. But anyway, the Conjuring films do a good job of it. The only other thing I'm thinking of right now is the Exorcist TV show. But um, <laughs> I mean, that's I, valid though. That's valid. It's good, but it's because the it's the character work that's really good in those films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I like about them. And I think that this one does and doesn't deliver on that. I think that the mystery here is really interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I love the way that this film unfolds the story for us. Absolutely. I yeah. think that that's really cool. I love how we end the movie. We still don't know everything. And I also really do think that it does a good job of playing on generic conventions because watching yeah. this the second time, because I watched it two nights ago, I was really, really struck by how much of this movie actually reminds me of the original film, like The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also picked that up like the the last time. Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, wow, actually, there's like a lot of like either mm-hmm. direct references or things that play with ideas that came out in that movie. And like, yeah. Obviously, women possessed is a whole genre trope yeah. in itself, yeah. um, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little today. But I thought it was really interesting how this movie just takes all this stuff that we understand and then just kind of pushes it to level 11. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. this movie is definitely, it has no mercy. It goes very <laughs> no. far. Yeah. It does, it's not afraid to be yeah. mean. It's not afraid to do terrible things. So it's also very distinctly like Thai as well. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not like your typical western possession film mm-hmm. which i and i think love. that yeah it definitely gives it a nice breath of fresh air for sure um i just have a little bit of a like background on the movie to get into before we get started but yeah okay so um the medium was released last year it was dropped in south korea in july but it hit the u.s in october um after shutter required the rights to it just i know shutter isn't sponsoring us yet Shutter, please hit us up. Um, <laughs> Add us to your podcast network. 
if you guys don't have a Shutter subscription, I highly, highly recommend it. Purely because you get really, really great access to a lot of foreign horror films. I know that a ton of the movies that I have watched that haven't been like America based or like Western have been found on Shutter. So like this is true. Definitely, it's a really, really great way to kind of like dip your toe into the international horror pool. Yeah. Netflix has some pretty good ones too. Like I'm not gonna shit on Netflix. They do ha- also have some pretty good foreign horror. So if you're on Netflix give something that's not english a try exactly yeah but i think this is a really good pick for us to do for a an international film just because it is really accessible so yeah definitely everybody go see this movie you haven't seen it and then come back and watch the episode or if you're going to listen to it anyway enjoy it and then watch it after i will say that i feel like unlike the lighthouse which is another long one i feel like you don't have to watch this movie before you listen to this episode to get an idea of what's going on. Partially because the possession genre is kind of formulaic, so you kind of know where Mm -hmm. we're going. Like, even though it goes off the rails, you still kind of expect some of it. I would just recommend watching the movie first because it is, it's more impactful. It doesn't do what you expect it to do at the end. Unless this genre is just not, or the subgenre is just not your jam, which is like totally fine, then probably don't watch it. But, you know, if you are inclined in any way to watch a possession film, this seems to be, yeah. you know, again, I don't have the background in seeing that many films, but to me, it was enjoyable. For sure. It's so good. Uh, yeah. So this movie was shot in Thailand. It is, like we said earlier, 130 minutes. So it is a long one, but it did receive a fair amount of success. Um, so far, it's made 7.9 million worldwide. And that's according to IMDb. For reference, The Wailing, a South Korean horror release from 2016 that you will hear us reference, you heard us reference already, and will hear us reference probably quite a few more times going forward, (laughs) made 51.3 million. So like, it's obviously not reaching that level of success. The Wailing was a huge hit in the US though, too. Yeah, it was because it was a a film festival, darling. Was it Mm -hmm. Cannes or? I don't remember. I think so. It was a film festival darling, though. Like, yeah. people love that. That movie is three hours long, y'all. Yeah. It, it also is, there's a lot of similarities between the medium and oh, the yeah. wailing. So you might hear us reference it for that reason. But um, you're also going to hear us reference it just because this film was actually written by Na Hong Jin, who was the writer and director of The Wailing. You can feel it. Yeah, you can 100% feel it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've talked about doing the wailing on this podcast before like just between the three of us but we just haven't gotten there yet yeah. uh, we might do it later we might it might be a ways off now because we're doing this one and it is very yeah. similar but i'm noodling on it but it is like a three-hour <laughs> film and i don't know if i want to commit to watching that two more times yeah no, yeah. that's completely fair <laughs> this film was also co-written by forgive me if i'm butchering this name but uh shantavit dano sevi which is a Thai screenwriter who has worked on a couple of Thai horror films and a couple of like Thai rom-coms, it looked like. Interesting. And has also worked pretty extensively with the director Bong Joon Pisantanakun, who's most well-known, I think, for directing the horror film Shudder, which came out in 2004? Is that the remake or the original? Is that the remake or the original? Yes, it came out in 2004. As soon as I realized that this was directed by the guy who did Shudder, a lot of things clicked into place for me. (laughs) Um, It was just, like, the way things were shot. A lot of it was, like, strange bodily movements and, like, just creating this, like, sense of, like, unease. Mm -hmm. Like, something about this person is off. 
which I think is done exceptionally well in the media. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of the things that made Shutter creepy were a lot of the ways that this movie was also creepy. So yeah. yeah. And to be fair, a possession film is not a possession film if you're not moving creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you gotta. If you're not contorting your body, then what are you doing? Is there even a demon inside? Are you even possessed? There's not always contortion. Okay, fine. I mean, (laughs) she's not wrong. But there's just often contortion. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it is not, you have to have it, but you should. Any excuse (laughs) to make a woman move weirdly. Demons love to contort. We all know this. (laughs) But yeah, that that was all I had for the background i did want to add that because i thought this was really cool the medium was thailand's official film entry for the oscars it didn't get the nomination because the oscars hate horror but true i thought that was cool the oscars hate horror you heard it here first folks (laughs) we're throwing down the gauntlet (laughs) fuck them sorry (laughs) well i mean like you're not wrong you're not wrong. I, I'm not wrong. What? Like, <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Get out. I don't. The I don't count. I don't count Silence of the Lambs as horror. Silence of the Lambs is a horror movie. Okay, but we have three out of how many? I know, but that's that's what I, that's my point. Like, there's only three. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I also think The Exorcist is not a good film. So there's that. Which is ironic to me because there's a lot of parallels between this and The Exorcist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but I like this better. Like a shocking amount of parallels. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like honestly, like so many parallels. It's like someone watched The Exorcist and been like, damn, now let's do it again. What if I did that? Yeah. (laughs) Let's reskin it. (laughs) The difference is this film is good. It's wow. Really shocking about a parallel to the Exorcist movie is. Wow, I'm going to call up William Friedkin. I don't know if he's still alive, but I'm going to call fine. him up and be like, yo, Heidi hates your movie. <laughs> That's not a secret, though. <laughs> I'm very upfront about how much I don't like that movie. I think it's interesting because I don't remember if this is... I don't remember if this is 100% the reason why you dislike this movie, that movie, but we were talking about it a while ago, and... I remember you saying that your biggest issue with the movie is that you don't like the... Oh, when she's masturbating the crucifix? I do hate that scene in particular. Yeah, but like, you, like I mean, you don't like... What is the name for that? Like the... There's like a name for that. Blasphemy? Oh, oh, sacrilege. Sac- sacrilege, that that's it. And I think that's really, really interesting that that bothers you so much in that movie. But when we have the exact same thing happening in this movie, because that's not your religious belief, it doesn't bother you at all. That it did, it didn't like affect me. I also think the Exorcist is boring. Oh, uh, that's fair. I I like wow. the Exorcist. incredibly. I'm boring. sensing a miso <laughs> topic. Why Heidi hates the Exorcist? <laughs> I I enjoy the Exorcist. I think it's a fine movie. I love the Exorcist series, though. I just like literally. I was watching this and I was like, it's so weird that she likes this so much when it really is just like a Thai version of the Exorcist. We're even following a religious leader, <laughs> but it's different. I think also part of it is that she's not a child. That also bothers me a lot about that. That's fair, but that's also that's one of the things that I like about The Exorcist. I like it when Mm people I like when things go there. I like it when they go there. This movie does also go there. Yeah. I know. It goes there in a different way. Still going there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean that's valid. 
But anyway, yeah, that's all. That's all I had. So if you want to start that summary, yeah, let me pull up the sum sum. Okay, I went into the sum sum. <laughs> the sum sum. <laughs> okay, so before I before I dive into it, just like a warning to everybody, this summary is mostly in order as you see it on the screen. There's a couple of spots where I condensed a few things that were like intercut to make it smoother. I mostly did that with the finale. But, like, if you're like, oh, that didn't happen yet, just bear with me, okay? We'll come back also, to it. Also, for those who haven't seen the movie, if you uh, do not like instances of animal cruelty oh, yeah. or cannibalism. Yeah. Or, like, babies. Things with babies. If you don't like things with babies. Uh, <laughs> babies, animal cruelty. Just prepare yourself. But, yeah, like, there's just, like, a, it's very minimal. And it, I was like, if I if I break what I'm saying right now and then talk about what they intercut to that isn't as important, it's not. It's going to be a mess. For sure. Mm-hmm. So just bear with me. All right. In northeastern Thailand, in Isan, spirits are highly respected and revered, believed to inhabit every part of life, from dead people to animals, nature and buildings to entire areas. And after traveling all over Thailand... Interviewing shamans, a documentary team has decided to focus on Nim, the current shaman for the local ancient goddess Bayan. Nim explains that to be a shaman, or at least in Isan, you are possessed by your deity. The women of her family have a legacy of being the shamans of Bayan, and it's like a shamanic inheritance. And that's actually, I think, the title of the documentary. Mm-hmm. Nim was, interestingly enough, not initially chosen to be the shaman, but her older sister, Noi, rejected the gift, and Bayan instead chose Nim. Nim explains that she didn't want to be a shaman at first due to the severity of her illness and the pain that got so bad that she tried to commit suicide before agreeing to let Bayan possess her, and now she's grateful to be a shaman and grateful to be helping her community by helping cure them of spiritual illnesses and curses caused by black magic or evil spirits. Nim is literally, like, so cool. I love Nim. I immediately love Nim. And, like, can I just say... I love a good opening monologue. Hell yeah. I thought this was so good at like bringing you into what's going on and you're like, this is the setting. This is the world. Mm-hmm. Here's all the <laughs> stuff about spirits you need to know. And I'm like, oh, I love it so much. I it's so good. Actually, so I, I peeped at your notes, Heidi, because I was looking the other day for the summary and, uh, and I saw your notes and I was like kind of looking at them and I was like, yes, yes, I agree with this. Yes, yes, same page. <laughs> But one of the things that I really wanted to touch on was that I thought it was really cool to be, like you said, immediately placed within this setting. Yeah. But because we didn't have this Western or imperialist gaze that we're used to and had like, you know, a Thai filmmaker making a movie about Thai people, it seemed like it really treated, especially, you know, a film about shamanism, treated the culture with the respect it deserves and it yes. wasn't it wasn't portrayed as some weird practice like we often see in movies where it's like oh yeah we need to take this young white girl to this shaman and they're gonna do some weird magical stuff and we yeah. don't even know what it is and look at how weird it is and they're like immediately positioned as the other mm-hmm. so yeah. i thought this was really refreshing to just be like From the get-go, I was like, yes, uh, we're in this culture now, or like, you know, we're observing this culture and the people within it, 
and we are immediately adopting their belief systems and their values. At least I was immediately yeah. buying into it. Like, oh yeah, they're shamans. Like this is how it happens. This is, yeah. you know, how it goes. And there was no distance in the sense of like, oh, mm-hmm. this is, these are strange people that we don't understand. It was mm-hmm. very much like, yes, we are kind of like being placed within that setting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it also helps too that they treat that position with such like respect, like speaking to what you had said about like being in the culture and not like othering a shaman. It's mm-hmm. very like, this is an integral part of who we are as a society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not having any like Western characters was also important, I think. For yeah, absolutely. One thing that I kind of noticed immediately in these opening shots was the way that the camera was positioning things. So what I thought was really interesting is in the beginning, you see a lot of shots of like through the rocks or yeah. mm-hmm. there's this movies full of like really, really huge wide shots where it's like one tiny person in a giant background. Yes. And I thought that was so, so interesting because we're, we're following a, do- a documentary crew, right? But we're not really getting a lot of intimacy with the subjects. It's all very removed. And I thought it was so fascinating that the way that the camera is orienting people in the frame often, mm-hmm. not constantly, obviously, but like more often than not, it feels like they're just like another thing in the area. And I yeah. thought that was interesting because you have that, those opening lines where they talk about how everything in nature is like a spirit. It's not just yeah. people. Mm-hmm. So I liked the idea that there's sort of like a universality to it and like mm-hmm. everything is important. It's not just the people. So we're not 100% focusing on the people. We're also making sure we're focusing on the space and we're focusing yeah. on the nature and we're focusing on objects. So I thought yeah. that was really interesting. Like the way that the camera shows reverence to these spaces that we're in and not mm-hmm. just the people within them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also on like another kind of like side of the intentionality of framing like a small person against a big background. Also, like there's a very recurring conversation about like fate and like the place mm-hmm. in the universe and like, mm-hmm. are they just pawns in a game? And I think that yeah. also works with that. Like everything in this film is so intentional. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, no, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I also like the way that they introduce Nim here is so good like she's Mm -hmm. immediately like so friendly and like when she makes that joke like it's a dark joke but she's like if somebody comes to me and they have cancer like they're gonna die like that's not (laughs) like that's not the kind of like person that I am and I'm not trying to like fool anybody into thinking that I can cure their cancer like if you've got a curse or like a spirit's attacking you I can help you but like if you're sick go see a doctor and I think that's like important and that was something that immediately endeared me to her because I was like oh thank god like she's not gonna be one of those people I also definitely think that Nim feels like a real person I think more so Mm -hmm. than anybody else in the film for being honest like Nim feels real yeah agree the way that she reacts to things the way that she interacts with her characters Mm -hmm. she just feels like a very interesting grounded like nuanced character Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. grounded I think is like a a perfect word Mm -hmm. yeah I love how she's well, seemingly, we kind of learn differently at the end, but so confident in herself and yeah. protective, but not in like an overprotective way, just in like yeah. she cares about her family and wants them to thrive. 
that scene where we like see them worshiping Bayan, like in that like rocky outcropping. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, is so beautiful. I it love is. everything about that scene. I was like, this is the best. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of my favorite moments of the film because it's just like perfect. It's so peaceful too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So on her way to her sister's husband's funeral, Nim is particularly troubled by the sight of a dead dog in the road. And she explains that the men of the Yasantia family have all come to terrible ends. One was stoned to death, another poisoned himself, and Noi's son recently died in a motorcycle accident. And now, with her husband dead, it's just Noi and her daughter, Mink. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Nim grows immediately increasingly concerned about Mink at the funeral. When Mink touches her arm, Nim seems to sense something is off, but doesn't say anything. And later that night, she sees her staring unresponsive at an old blind woman who was found dead the next morning. And while they watch the body be carted off, Mink walks calmly away and and is then seen, like, staring at the wall and moving strangely, as though she were shrugging away, like, some unseen force or, like, something is bothering her. Mm -hmm. And there's also that part at the funeral where she just starts yelling at Manit. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like she's like saying that you called me a whore. Like, is she yelling at him? Because I thought she was yelling at somebody else. I think she's yelling at one of her other uncles. Okay, well, yeah, whoever, but he's whoever involved. It was, regardless, yeah, he's, yeah. he's like trying to calm her down. They're like, um, <laughs> uh huh, like, are you okay? I mean, she's also grieving the loss of her dad, and we find out that she like found the body and um, she's like drinking. I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, it's odd, but I feel like it's not that odd all things considered i do like that first sign that something is off when she touches nim's arm and nim's like what yeah. the fuck was that mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just yeah. see on her face it's very subtle and of course you get the cue from the music but it's like yeah she initially she immediately knows that something is off yeah well, and the characters are like going out of their way to be like mink doesn't usually act like this like the mm-hmm. mink would never act like this mm-hmm. and i think that we're getting a pretty big tip early on that something's gonna go on with mink but also like that the circumstances of the whole event are strange like honestly Mm -hmm. the first time we watched this i forgot they were at a funeral um (laughs) yeah i think part of that is because there's like some cultural differences yeah like how the funeral fully happens yeah forgot because like i just saw like you see her like drinking you see the yelling you're like oh right this is actually a funeral for her father yeah yeah it's like a several day affair And they're, like, sleeping in the temple, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Driven by concern and urgency, Nim searches Mink's room in spite of Noi, her mom's, protest. In the back of the closet, the two of them find a pataba, which is, like, a a talisman. Like, that's meant to ward off spirits, you know, both good and evil, actually. Mink finds them, however, and kicks them out of her room. And Nim presses her sister to tell her if anything else strange has been happening, believing that perhaps Bayan is trying to possess Mink and has chosen her to be the new shaman. Noi, Mink's mom, recalls when she started showing symptoms of what they call shaman fever. She had severe headaches and had her period every day for five months. Kill me. (laughs) I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to pull that thing where it's like, do you believe that Bayan is real? Like, I'm not going to have that conversation. But I, but I do think it's interesting that they're all having these similar symptoms, but it's like a different cause every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they are definitely all like similar. Yeah. 
it is it is very strange i do think it is interesting too when nim is talking about how she became the shaman Mm -hmm. she mentions that like she got really sick also like she was at university Mm -hmm. and got really sick and then she was like she just like blatantly is like yeah i tried to kill myself Mm -hmm. yeah like she was like horribly depressed like suicidal and then becomes Mm -hmm. the shaman so like there's a lot of trauma that goes into this sort of like spiritual what would you even call this like a merging <laughs> like a I, I mean they call possession. it acceptance it's possession yeah. yeah I mean that is the word that they use so I think it's appropriate I actually thought I did think it was well I have a couple thoughts one I thought it was interesting that they do use possession to describe like the taking over by a goddess but mm-hmm. also a demon like so it kind of makes you think like you know you usually yeah. think of possession as something that's negative but in this case it's being used as kind of a positive mm-hmm. but going off of that I was also like okay well being possessed by a goddess seems like it would it's kind of portrayed as a positive thing but it's also yeah. kind of portrayed as a curse in a sense because you know they're being possessed but they're having these very severe physical symptoms yeah. and so it's like well is this is this a blessing is this a gift or is this actually just a different type of curse mm-hmm. because obviously not everyone would want to be a shaman like noi so yeah the shaman inheritance idea that something is passing from you know, mm-hmm. down through the generations almost kind of feels like, you know, I don't know if this is stretching, but maybe a metaphor for like inherited disease or like mm-hmm. an inherited illness or infliction, like the way that That's their body's being taken yeah. over. And so like, it's not something that is really your choice, but it just kind of happens yeah. to you and you have to accept it and learn how to live with it. It's also very biblical. Like there's like a whole like, priest bloodline like that's like a thing as well i did think it was odd though like you guys were saying that like it's such an honor to be a shaman but it's like so painful yeah there's like i had this thought like going back to what i had said about like fate and like destiny that it seems like they almost don't have a choice in the matter like Mm -hmm. bayon is trying to possess them and like maybe the act of trying to like get in that body and like the body rejecting that spirit is what's making them be ill but also Mm. like that experience is just like so horrible that it's like you know i just want this to end because you're not gonna stop and i would just let's just do it yeah for sure i also think that it's interesting i mean to me this whole movie is about like generational trauma so absolutely i was gonna mention that too like the trauma that like parents pass on to their children and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. but the thing that really interests me in this is like we see a lot of male spiritual figures like spiritual guides in this film um not a lot of we see a few yeah but the movie is so focused on women Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a lot of the effects that we're seeing happen in this film are happening solely to the women Mm -hmm. like obviously we do see stuff happen to Manit, but it's not the same as what's happening to nim or noi or mink and mink's dad dead onset of the film like (laughs) Mm -hmm. all of those men in that family are gone we don't really get a lot of time with the new shaman who comes to help them so it's like he's cool though i like yeah he's chill santi yeah for while he's chill (laughs) until he's He's chill while he lasts (laughs) yeah but it is interesting to me when you think about it all thematically because I think oftentimes it's women who bear the brunt of a lot of familial trauma. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we explored in The Brood as well. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that the story between Nim and Noi in particular is really interesting because Noi shoves off responsibility and shoves yes. off obligation and she just forces all of that onto her sister. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that is so resonating both within the actual plotline of the story, but also like outside of that, like the, I don't, I'm like, it's, it's hard for me to like figure out like what exactly I want to take away from this movie, but I think I know. That, that idea in general is just so interesting mm-hmm. and what it means. I don't really know what it means like spiritually. Like, I don't really know how it really affects things like religiously, but in terms of like the family dynamic and like what this movie is having to say about family, mm-hmm. it really shows that like, even you avoiding passing things on can actually just make it even harder for you to connect with people. I, so I, I want to talk about this a little later, but while we're talking about themes, I definitely saw responsibility and also acceptance Mm -hmm. as themes. I mean, you have this acceptance ceremony where the idea is that you allow Bayan to enter your body and to possess you and, and live with you for the, and through you for the rest of your life, basically. Or until she chooses someone else. Right. (laughs) At her whim. Yeah. But it's also like she chooses. Like the person themselves does not choose. And they have to. I mean, if they don't, if they say no, then they end up suffering more in the long run. And and this is why I'll talk about it later. But I was thinking a lot about acceptance in kind of a Mm -hmm. philosophical sense. Like, you know, if something happens to you, even if it sucks sometimes you have to accept it and learn to live with it as Mm -hmm. opposed to like kind of passing the buck and like having someone else deal with it so like I saw that play out a lot between Nim and Noi and because there's obviously tension between them throughout the whole movie and so Noi definitely expresses remorse and you know guilt over what she did to Nim so like I said I'll have more to say later but I definitely saw that theme cropping up early yeah I think like another thing that like comes up kind of early too is like and it's not, like, explored super thoroughly, but, like, Noi says that the way that she got out of being a shaman is, like, converting to Christianity and, like, praying mm-hmm. to God to not be a shaman. And I think there's, like, an interesting dialogue that's happening about, like, Christianity. Or I saw somewhere somebody said it was, like, specifically, like, Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And, like, comparing and, like, contrasting that to, like, the worship of Bayan mm-hmm. is also interesting. And, like, we could probably pick that up later because there's, like, definitely crises of faith yeah. throughout the film on both sides that I think is interesting yeah and I do think it's interesting that Noi very much so just like kind of shuns that entire religious aspect of her upbringing like she yeah is like yeah I don't really think any of it's like really means anything like she went out of her mink? way uh, Mink says she doesn't believe in it at all which oh, is yeah. ironic but um, <laughs> Noi is just kind of like yeah like uh, like that's not really that doesn't really concern me anymore like i'm mm-hmm. i care about this now but it's like there she's just shutting this entire part of her own history yeah. and allowing her daughter to just not believe in it when she tried yeah. so so hard to not be a part of that culture mm-hmm. yeah and it's like literally that's what nim's job is <laughs> yeah so it's interesting it's to odd. me that like there's such a huge fissure in this family mm-hmm. and it all became it all started growing because Noi just did not want to be a shaman so she just rejected it all outright and it's like this isn't even a thing for me Mm -hmm. so with the potential that Mink will maybe undergo the acceptance ceremony since she's showing signs of the shaman fever the documentary shifts its focus more to Mink 
Despite the odd things happening to her, she reveals that she doesn't believe in shamans and thinks that it's all ridiculous, but her odd behavior is just beginning. As she preps for <laughs> as she preps for a Christmas parade, she becomes oddly obsessed with a small pair of children's shoes. Her best friend Lisa reveals that Mink has been acting very oddly lately, like she is a child. She is seen playing on kids' mall rides or in ball pits or on the slides where she repeatedly pushes little girls inexplicably, which is my one of my favorite scenes of this film because it's so funny. She just shoves those kids. It's horrible. Into a ball. She gets that like mean girl look on her face though, and she's like, get out of here. Yeah. And she's like, but she's grown. And these yeah. kids are like four yeah. yeah and she looks back at the camera and she like giggles it's unsettling but i love it. <laughs> yeah. it it is honestly it's wild it is and like after work that night she like goes out she drinks she parties and then wanders around drunk and ends up like crashing at her workplace and she's discovered in the morning still asleep and they're like hey get up like go wash your face let's work but as she stands up poor girl she starts to get her period, but it's, like, alarmingly heavy. Yeah. It's, yeah, like, that's, like, you need to go to the doctor. That's yeah. way too yeah. much blood. It's yeah. so much. And, she, of course, she's wearing a white skirt. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. That scene of her trying to clean herself up in the bathroom, though, I felt so bad for her. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah. I know. Nim then goes to Noi's house to ambush Mink and tries to find out <laughs> if she has heard somebody <laughs> ambush <Mink? laughs> Yeah. It is kind of an ambush. It's definitely an ambush. She just walks in. She's like, hey, I left my bracelet here. Do you guys have my bracelet? And then Minnie's like, oh my god, your bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) Let me go find your bracelet. (laughs) Her special shaman bracelet or whatever. Even It was was like, I love this. I love this like little little plot where they're lying to annoy. The siblings are scheming. Yeah. Yeah. But before Mink can answer if she has heard someone calling or if she's answered... Noi interrupts and is like, Nim, what are you talking to my daughter about? Mink, though, and this is so heartbreaking, is so distressed and she starts sobbing, saying that she doesn't want to be a shaman. It's it's such a good scene. I love it so much. And then Noi is like, I won't let you be one. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, I, no matter what, I'm going to protect you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this idea that, like, you know, the idea of familial obligation and familial mm-hmm. trauma yeah. It's shoved down onto younger generations, whether you want it to yeah. be or not. Like even even if you try to actively prevent it from invading their lives, that that yeah. action, the act of preventing it, makes it known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just inheritance. I think inheritance in many different senses can be applied to this film. So sure. you know, inherited trauma, inherited mm-hmm. illness, inherited you know grief, just inherited responsibility. It's yeah, it's definitely speaking very much to this seemingly inevitable force that can take over your life Mm -hmm. by no guilt of your own. Mm -hmm. Shaman fever continues to wreak havoc on Mink. She starts having all kinds of terrible pain that the doctors cannot diagnose. She also says that she's been having strange dreams where she sees a huge man with a red loincloth red vest with talisman markings on it who wields a long sword he stomps his foot and then licks the blood from his sword and at his feet is a decapitated head and there's blood everywhere she feels like the head is trying to tell her something but she can't ever tell what it is and this scene i thought was especially cool on the second watch yeah because like the foreshadowing 
and like mm-hmm. of what is possessing her is like so good in this scene mm-hmm. you're like because that i thought originally that like this had come up at a later time but then like on a rewatch i was like oh my god i understand now why that dream is included because at first it just seems like so spooky and odd but like it's nothing quality quality yeah. foreshadowing at work mink is called in to her boss's office and fired <sighs> yeah she goes off on him too she's she like does. how dare you well <laughs> yeah the manager reveals that they had been looking at the camera footage to find out who's been stealing office supplies and discovers that there are many videos of mink just like having sex with random men in the office at night and that's why he fires her yeah yep it's <sighs> so yikes it yeah. really is very yikes She's not doing great. <laughs> She's having a bad time. Yeah. She is because she doesn't remember that at all, is what it looks she like. She doesn't. Yeah. And right. that's why she goes off on him. Is she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I love that shot of like it's like the camera footage of her fucking those three guys. And yeah. it just cuts to her sitting alone on like that hill. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she just like sits with her arms around her knees and she just looks so small and so young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Because she oh is. My God. Poor thing. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on with you. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, then that, that kind of reinforces, like, I I feel like in a lot of possession movies, the tie between sexuality and young womanhood is pretty strong. The possessed woman trope is all about basically having the possessed woman basically just like go hand in hand with all things that are like abject. Mm -hmm. And taboo. So we're talking bodily fluids. We're talking... Um, sexual deviancy we're talking mm-hmm. sacrilegious behavior blasphemous speech yeah basically making things dirty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a good way to put it that's yeah. literally the entirety of what this demon i'm using air quotes so you guys can't see me um is <laughs> i mean they is, do call it that later it, so. it is like it's like it's what he says is it's like a bunch of spirits coming together to form one demon <laughs> yeah but uh it's like doing to mink. It's just taking yeah. this nice veneer and just like rotting mm-hmm. it out from the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of her behavior is just like disturbing because of that. Yeah. But it also like presents what I think is another one of the really interesting like motifs of the film, which mm-hmm. is just like the difference between appearance versus reality. So like, yeah, mink still looks like this innocent young girl for, mm-hmm. for now. She gets a little fucked up later but (laughs) um but beneath her something terrible is happening and like we see that in a couple other times throughout the film i'll talk about a little bit more later because it becomes way more obvious later but yeah wild while doing final preparations for the christmas parade mink waits for them to finish her hair and starts scratching at one of her teeth repeatedly (sighs) and forcefully causing it to bleed profusely as though she is in some kind of trance. And when she's broken out of it, she seems like really confused about why she's been doing that and scared. And I was like, oh, honey. And also it's really gross. Mm-hmm. I hate yeah. teeth things too. Yeah, <laughs> that was, uh no. All mouth things, dislike. <laughs> no mouths. <laughs> no mouths for hiding. Mouths are off limits. I just like, you know when, um, like when they like cut people's tongues off or like do terrible things to people's tongues in horror movies, I hate it. Mm-hmm. I don't like teeth things. Just like I don't like it. It's gross. Mm-hmm. We're gonna move on. <laughs> okay. During the parade on her float, Mink completely ignores her family and then later just like starts throwing things at the parade watchers. It's odd. 
and she seems very not good as the days go on. She withdraws further and further into herself until she tries to commit suicide. Her mom finds her and rushes her to the hospital where they are able to save her life. Terrified to lose her daughter, Noi pleads with Nim to do an acceptance ceremony for Mink, but Nim refuses, believing that it is not Bayan who is trying to possess Mink, but something else, so it would be too risky for Mink at this time. One thing that I do want to just... This is a classic case of, if you had stuck around for five more minutes and explained yourself... <laughs> I know. Some shit would not have gone down the way that it yeah. went down, Nim. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, the first move, the first time I didn't pick it up, but the second time I was like, you know, she just talked to Noi. Yeah. Good point. But also, Noi wasn't Noi wasn't easy to talk to. No, Noi yeah. is not easy to talk to. And, like, she had made it, like, abundantly clear that she doesn't really want anything to do with this. So, like, even explaining to her, like, what she thought, mm-hmm. you know, especially, like, bringing up what we're about to find in the next scene, I think would be difficult. Yeah. I also think that Nim would have no, really wouldn't have a reason to think that Noi would do what she does next. No, especially because she doesn't, she doesn't subscribe to this. Yeah, because of the resistance. Yeah, and you would also really think that, like, Nim would be like, okay, my sister, who respects me, I think, would not just go to some random person to have this done. Joke's on her. Joke's on her. Yeah, but she should have, yeah, she shouldn't have just been like, Many, come on, let's go. Like, yeah. Noah, you fuck off. You and your dying daughter, fuck off. Yeah. Well, Manit and Nim go to Noi's home and they open up the locked door to Noi's son who died's bedroom. That's Mac. She questions Manit about how Mac really died, believing that the story that he crashed on his motorcycle is completely fake. And she quickly puts the pieces together. Very quickly, in fact. I wouldn't have even gathered this. That maybe Mink and Mac were having an incestuous relationship and he killed himself out of shame. It must were be true. They? Were they? I still have that question. We can talk she about that so later. She was so sure that like, I don't know. Like, I don't either. She literally, she saw some pictures of them together and was like, they were fucking. <laughs> it literally like, I don't I don't know if maybe like Bayan was like, they were fucking. But, but I mean, like maybe there is like some kind of truth to it because I mean, we don't know why he killed himself and there could be like a lot of reasons for that. But I think the theory that is put forward in this scene is that he did it out of shame. It's just, yeah, it's just wild. It was all wild to me. Like when I was watching it again, I was like, I completely forgot about this. Like, yeah, (laughs) it's, this is the part where I think it, I think this could have been cut because it does. I, I put that down too. It does detract from the rest of the story. I think it takes it in a direction and then it's like, just kidding. We're going in this totally different direction. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, it feels like an obvious misdirection, too. Like, I, I was like, if there's anything that I was going to cut, it would be this weird incest plotline and this thing with Mac. Because yeah. it feels very out of left field. It very clearly is not correct. They just needed something to get Nim away for a while. I will say that I do love the ceremony she performs. I just yeah. like the way it's filmed and the use of eggs because I love yeah, it. Yeah, so many yeah. eggs. Natalie, though, you just brought up, like, a good point. Like, I think it's clever on the on the side of the spirits, which is like a whole other conversation I think we could have about like the cleverness of like spirits and the ceremonies that they do. But like, it is clever on, on that part. Cause it gets her out of the way for days. It's a month. Fucking long ass time. I, yeah. also, I think the scene of them going through her room and finding all that gross shit in it is so fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet, but we'll get there at the tree where 
Mac hung himself, there's still like a piece of the frayed rope like embedded into the tree branch where he did it. And she pleads to him, to Mac's spirit, to leave Mink alone and saying that even if you love her, you can't have her. It's wild. Desperate to help her daughter, Noi resolves to have Mink do an acceptance ceremony and takes her to a random place to just do a random one and see if it makes things better. Manit manages to warn Nim, who arrives just as the ceremony seemingly fails. She is furious that Noi is making a huge mistake and jeopardizing her daughter who could receive just any spirit. Mink then like stares really ominously at the camera and then she just like grabs it and starts like beating her mom over the head with it and then runs off and disappears. Which I'm surprised did not kill her. I feel like- I know. Yeah. That was a lot of trauma to the head. <laughs> I definitely think that the idea, like, like having her attack her mom is something I did not see coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense on the one hand, like if she's blaming her, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is your fault. But is in a it, way, is it her fault though? That's one of the questions I had that we'll probably yeah. talk about later. Like, how responsible is Noi for all of this? Because she does say throughout the movie that she feels guilty and it's all her she fault. Yeah. And I'm like, is it really? So, I mean, it's not fully her fault, but this, this that just happened is this her fault. Is. Though. No, I mean, this all is. of it. She could have married a different guy, and this would not have happened. I mean, she wouldn't. How could she have known that? Like, that's right. unfair. How could she have known he was cursed? Exactly. How could, like, genuinely. That's how what could I'm she saying. have known? Like, the family was cursed, and Noi couldn't have changed that, even yeah. if she had accepted Bayan. The family yeah. was cursed, and Noi was the bad sheep of her family. Yeah. Right. And it's just, like, a perfect said no to Bayan. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I was, like, really shook when Mink attacked her mom. I thought that was wild. hmm I mean, that's all that Mink really, like, that's the only person that Mink really has left now. Like, it was the only person who was 100%, like... I am here for you. I am in your mm-hmm. corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I think that's a common thing that we see in possession films and like, even just like outside of films, like stories that you hear is that they want to isolate you, yeah. right? They want to get you away so that you don't have anywhere to go mm-hmm. so that there's like less chance for hope. So I think mm-hmm. like trying to mess up her mom is just like one way of doing that. Trying to mess up her mom. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, to try and find Mink, Nim concludes that Noi needs to make peace with Bayan and apologize for rejecting her. Because I guess if she doesn't do that, Bayan's not going to help them find her. Which doesn't make any sense, but that's fine. Well, I mean, Bayan might be like, why would I help you? You rejected me. Yeah. But, like, if Nim asks, why wouldn't she? Well, I mean, your friend that you could love more than anybody could come up to you and be like, hey, will you help me help this person you hate and you could still say no <laughs> okay that's valid when you yeah. put it like that that makes yeah. a lot of sense yeah we like we're cool but she and i are not cool <laughs> yeah it's like i love you but i hate her so i'm not gonna help you <laughs> i guess that's fair all right well together they return to mink's room to gather things for a ceremony and mink's room smells foul like trash And they find, like, all manner of gross and strange items that Mink has collected that Nim says must be from spirits that she had come into contact with. And there sure is a lot. Blood and cum. So much. (laughs) And also the little baby shoes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The little baby shoes make an appearance with the blood and the cum. They come back. Like, some weird, like, dolls and, like, 
trash bags like that we had seen. That's soaked period pad. pad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. So we have menstrual so blood. We have a used condom. We have baby shoes. There's like urine as well. What I is think? that like six word story? And it's like baby shoes ever worn, but it's like menstrual blood, used <laughs> condom, baby shoes. <laughs> it's a party. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a lot of gross stuff. <laughs> Nim gathers it all up and like sets it out at the tree where Mac killed himself and proceeds to do the ceremony to try and learn from Mac where he took Meek. And then finally realizes that perhaps it's not Mac after all who is tormenting her and it, it might just be too late. I love how she's cracking egg after egg and each time the yolk comes yeah. out normally and she's like, oh, fuck, gotta yeah. do it again. And then when it's she finally really cool. gets the one, yeah, when she finally gets the one that's this like kind mm-hmm. of black she just runs. Out, she's like, yeah. got it. I feel like I've I've seen that that kind of thing before. I can't remember where. But it was something that I was, like, familiar with. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. It's, like, another one of those, like, very, like, culture-specific things. I also yeah. just really liked her her dedication and her perseverance. She was like, I don't know oh, yeah. how long I have to pray, but I'm going to do yeah. it until I find out where she is. Mm-hmm. And it's a month. It, it's been a month. I did not realize it was that long. They probably say yeah. it, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't They do. They that. say it. Okay. I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. Yeah. There's a part where Manit is in at the police station and he's yelling and he's like, it's been a month. Yeah. And you guys have just been sitting on your asses. Yeah. So after a month, Mink is still missing and there is no sign of her except for like this single dash cam video from a taxi that is admittedly pretty odd. And the taxi driver like sees Mink walk into the road and like stares with her back to him. And he's like, okay, this is weird. And tries to back up and then go the other way. But then, like, Mink is in the road there, too. And that's pretty weird. But, like, not the spookiest thing ever. (laughs) It's pretty spooky. It's spooky, but it's not, like, that spooky. Well, I mean, she's on one side of the car. And then he turns around. And she's on the other side of the car. I mean, like, it's weird. It's, like, it's weird. If that happened to me, I would shit my pants. (laughs) Yeah, I would be like, um. (laughs) No. I did feel like <laughs> when I watched it this last time and like that scene in particular, I felt like she looked different. Like she was like kind of translucent. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I don't either. My favorite thing though is when they're like initially searching for Mink, like the fireworks go off and everybody just like stops and watches them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what? It's so funny. Okay, so. Nim, armed with this new knowledge, drives actually to the crossroads that we see in that video and marches into the woods where she stumbles upon an abandoned factory that once belonged to the cursed Yasachia family. Bum, bum, bum. It's, a, it's that guy. It's like her granddad or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Meek's grandfather tried to burn it down for the insurance money, but was caught and poisoned himself to death. Mm-hmm. And it is here in the rubble that they find Mink very weak and malnourished. Nim goes to beg Bayan to spare Mink, and she finds the statue decapitated, which is horrible <laughs> omen for what's about to come. That is such a strong, yeah, emotion-provoking scene. Yeah, just the cries that she lets out. It's like you can yeah. really feel the the sense of despair and grief that she's feeling. 
I also think it's really interesting that the way that it's shot is we're following her back. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we never really look at her head on. Mm-hmm. I think that it's an interesting and kind of impersonal way to feel like to film a scene that is so emotionally heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that is interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Like I, I was because I was thinking about that because I was thinking about the fact that like everything is more distanced. Mm-hmm. And that scene really struck out to me when I was rewatching it because I was like, wow, like we don't actually see, we see her face once, but it's in side view. Yeah. And she's like screaming. She's so yeah. Upset. And it's when she finds the head and then the person yeah. goes past them to show the thing. Yeah. I wonder if it's because, you know, partially because we're not really meant to feel her grief, but we're instead yeah. meant to see it as a sign of like, Oh shit, something, this is bad. I mean, I think it also could be like, again, like, let's remember that we're supposed to be thinking we're watching documentary footage. So like, they didn't know that that was going to happen. So they would just be following her, right? I agree with that. But I also think that, you know, if we, if the director wanted us to see her face, we would have seen her face. You know what I mean? I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Like they could have, they could have made it any which way. Yeah. I do. Like, I just think it's really interesting because it's like another version of like keeping it sort of objective yeah. and not just in a this is a documentary kind of way but also just mm-hmm. in a there we don't really have any control over what's happening yeah and neither does nim which is really interesting mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's very much yeah like the biggest example of sacrilegious yeah, activity yeah. that we see kind of like mm-hmm. you know when you see the crosses turned upside yeah. down or something like I that. Had that i had that down too I would say that if we saw, like, a, a statue of Jesus with his head cut off, that would be different than the crosses being upside down. Well, yes, but, like, <laughs> well, like yeah, in yeah. other films that I've seen, no, I, I get you, a but... comparable thing. Yeah. I will say, like, as we start to, like, get further into, like, the finale, like, the back half of this thing, I definitely feel like there's more obvious elements of, like, the exorcist or, like, paranormal activity that start to come up. Yeah. And I think that starts to kind of, like, bog it down for me, as I had said earlier. And this kind of feels like it might be, it's not obvious, but looking back, it might be somewhat of a turning point for Nim when maybe she mm-hmm. starts to become a little uh, yeah. unsteady, maybe in her faith or her belief. Yeah. Because it's like mm-hmm. a clear symbol of mockery and, you know, it's what oh, she's yeah. dedicated her life to. So this symbol of of her, of what she's dedicated her life to is just yeah. desecrated. And that, yeah, I, I imagine that would be earth shattering mm-hmm. for someone I mean, yeah. that would be incredibly traumatic yes yeah. and, and not just that but like very early in the film when there's like a thought that like bayan is trying to replace her as the shaman like mm-hmm. also must have messed with her mind like am i not doing a good enough job mm-hmm. like i know i wasn't your first choice and now you're trying to replace yeah. me already yeah Aww. that has to be hard mm-hmm. right and then to be like no we're good we're good and then this happened like she's she's on a journey yeah and it sucks. But she's got a stiff upper lip, so we don't really see yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Mink returns from the hospital, and she is now fully possessed. Like, as we would think of a possessed person. I like how the text says, Mink is now fully possessed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yeah. Just so you know. This is the first scene where I was like, oh, this actually could be funny if things were a little different. Because she oh, was yeah. so out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, this could be, like, change a couple of things. This could be a scary movie parody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. This kind of film. 
they try to calm her down and they like tie her head with this piece of string and then place her index fingers and glasses of water and this black ink leaks from, from her fingertips into you the glass. You guys made me ink! <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's really interesting that all of the like spirituality that we're seeing here is so incredibly nature focused. Yeah. I think it's kind of refreshing after seeing so many like western possession films where everything is like crosses and bibles and yeah. latin mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah and i think that the the makeup on mink here is really good yeah, yeah. she looks inhuman sometimes especially later yeah yeah and it's like and even when she takes her shirt off yeah you can tell they like contoured her bones <laughs> yeah this is definitely the most exorcist scene where she like yeah. rips open her shirt eventually she pukes up this gross black inky liquid, but she's still like horribly possessed. I think that she just knocked out like one of the demons. One of the, one <laughs> she of the just tools. got one of them out. Yeah, maybe well, I, one. At first, I did not realize that like Nim forced her to vomit. Yeah, yeah, she like shoves her fingers. Yeah, down she, her yeah, throat. she does that. So I thought that was like, oh well, she's like she's actually yeah. trying to expel the demon that way. Yeah. yeah. And it's, like, after the glass shatters that have, like, completely turned black. So that must have been, like, a sign. Like, do it now. Yeah. That was wild. Like, the stuff coming out of the finger. It's so cool! Yeah. Ah! She's alternating between screaming and laughing, which is always, you know, menacing. But, yeah, the the other really interesting part of that scene was where she, of course, rips her shirt off. And then, like, shoves her hand down her pants or skirt, whatever she's wearing. And, like, obviously is, like, picking up some discharge. Bodily fluids. Some discharge of some sort on her hand and, like, smears it on Manit's face. He's like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? So, yeah, yeah, again, like, showing that kind of sexual promiscuity or deviancy, whatever you want to call it, that Natalie mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And she definitely calls him out because, like, I I hadn't mentioned this because it was such a small thing. But when we see him earlier in the film, he's like at a karaoke bar or whatever, like flirting with someone. And Noi is like, don't you care about your wife and child? Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing here? Yeah. And then, and then like, finally, they tie her up. And, I'm, I'm, you know, it's yeah. like, I understand not wanting to tie her up. But also, as the movie progresses and they don't keep her restrained, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, they don't even lock yeah. her door until later in the movie. Well, I mean, that doesn't even work. So like, (laughs) yeah, that's right. It doesn't even work. So I'm like, I get wanting to treat her like she is still somewhat of a human because she is, Mm -hmm. you know, a person. But some of it is kind of like, why? Why are we not restraining her a bit more? At least, Mm -hmm. you know, keeping an eye on her a bit more. Nim seeks out fellow shaman Santi for help freeing me. And he breaks the unfortunate news that it's not just one spirit that has possessed Mink, it's hundreds of spirits that her dad's ancestor beheaded, and the surviving families cursed the Yasantia family, and it's all coming to a head under a perfect storm. One thing I did want to say about that is I like the metaphor they use when he says, the acceptance ceremony left Mink like a car with a key in the ignition. In the ignition. Yeah, so anyone yeah. can get behind it and drive it. And I was like, oh, that yeah, makes actual, that was so good. a lot of sense. Yeah. On top of the cosmic destiny of her mother, the one who rejected the protective goddess Bayan, marrying her cursed father. Oh my god, not Noi's father, Mink's father. 
The random acceptance ceremony left me vulnerable and all these vindictive spirits banded together and became a single powerful demon that is possessing her. Mink is now the unfortunate victim left to pay the price for the sins of her family's past. Preparations for the ceremony to free her begin in earnest. Santi prepares talismans and a sacred wand, candles and incense and the whole shebang. And he and Nim have to go through the whole thing themselves as well in preparation. Noi is at a loss trying to care for Mink. Mink's refusing to eat and there are cameras that get set up in the house that reveal that every night Mink leaves her room and tosses the place about poltergeist style. And she's <laughs> acting like incredibly odd, moving unnaturally and like taunting her mom in her sleep by like hovering over her. It's like hovering and like whispering. Yeah. But what if she's it's like, weird. I love you, mom. I don't think that's what she's saying. <laughs> It's like the one time when the demon lets her say what she wants. She's like hovering over her mother and like getting really close to her face and just yeah. whispering harshly the lyrics to All Star by Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All that glitters is gold. <laughs> yeah, every night I just have this weird dream about Smash Mouth. I don't know why. For some reason, I keep waking up really wanting to watch Shrek. Because <laughs> it's a good film. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, you don't wake up every day wanting to watch that? <laughs> the closer it gets to the ceremony, the more erratic and terrifying Nim's behavior becomes. She eats raw meat from the fridge, pees on the table, and plagues Minit's wife with stomach aches. And most horribly, this is the scene I skipped the last time, boils the family dog alive and then eats it even after they attempt to deadbolt her into the room. Well, I mean, to be fair, Noi's whole job is selling dog meat. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. They mention that at the beginning. They're like, don't you think it's weird that you sell dog meat, but you also own a dog? And she's like, well, people who own goldfish and like other types of fish also eat fish, right? Her dog meat business is called Heavenly Meat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Technically illegal. Yeah, it's, it's illegal. And it's, a, it's another one of those instances of, like, things appearing one way, but they're actually not. Because, like, she's telling yeah. you it's actually dog meat. And everybody knows that it's dog meat. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, like, it's interesting that they boil, that she boils the dog later. And then I also thought it was really, really interesting that at the end of the movie, when the men who are doing the ceremony start going crazy, they start acting like dogs. Yeah, because I assume yes. their spirits were, the spirits that took them over were dogs. Interesting. Yeah, I also assumed that. Mink turns her attention to Manit's son, Pong, whom she kidnaps and takes into the fields. Fortunately, baby's alright, but she does attack Manit with a knife and injures, but does not kill him. The day before the ceremony is, is set to happen, Nim is discovered dead in her home with no clear cause of death. The altar to Bayan in her home is trashed and there are maggots everywhere. It's quite an ominous sight. And now Santi has to perform the ceremony alone. How would there be that many maggots there that fast? There wouldn't be. It's gross. Evil. Exactly. The only time I ever see that many maggots in one place is like watching an episode of Fear Factor. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Fuck that show and everyone involved. You know who I'm talking (laughs) about. You know know who who I'm talking about. That's valid. Anyway. I, I paused the movie at that point and uh, my boyfriend was like, oh, so how's it going? And I was like, well, my favorite character just died. So you tell me yeah, how it's going. <laughs> that really caught me off guard the first time that we, that we watched it. I was mm-hmm. like, what? What do you mean she's dead? 
it keeps throwing random shit. It's like, oh my god, yeah. now Nim is dead. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, like, the first time you watch this, like, it's very engaging. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Can they do it? I but know. But the second time, I was just like, damn, here we go. I do kind of wish that Nim had, like, a bigger death. Yeah. Yeah, it is um kind of anticlimactic in a sense. But I guess, like, the mystery of how she died, they assume would, like, carry some of the suspense. And they did say the text, there's a the text that overlays the screen and it says something like the Thai people call it, I think it was Lai Thai. Yeah. I actually Googled like that. that and it's something like sudden unexpected death syndrome or something yeah. like that. Or yeah, nocturnal. Like, it's like nocturnal, especially at, it's yeah. specifically at night. And she's like dead, like face down, like yeah. hanging kind of off her bed. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. To lure the spirits to the abandoned factory where they're going to do the ceremony. They use Noi as a decoy and try to trick the spirits into believing that it's Mink. And once they gather, Santi's plan is to expel them into a cursed pot, bury it, and then bind them there with another ritual. Most importantly, no one is supposed to leave the site of the ceremony until it is over and Mink has to remain sealed in her room. That's important. So I have a question. So right before they do the ceremony, they're preparing outside and the do- the documentarian asks like, don't you think given what just happened to Nim, don't you think it's a little dangerous to include Mink in the ceremony? And yeah. he says, well, yeah, but have you seen the sticker on the back of Manit's car? Yeah. And apparently this, well, the sticker says this car, this car is, is red, red and he's driving like a blue truck. It's black. It's black. It's a black truck. Yeah. And so do you kind of think that's supposed to mean like, oh, you think it's Mink, or the demons are going to think it's yeah. Mink, but it's actually yep. Noi. It's okay. exactly that, because they, like, dress her in Mink's clothing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, they they do everything. I thought it was Mink for a I minute. did, too. The first time around, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, are we doing, like, some yeah, I was like, they post, just kill her? <laughs> post-modern, like, post-structuralist thing here? Like, th- this is not a pipe? But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but no, it, then the second time around, I was like, oh. I no, the, the car is like literally just not red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is not what you think it is. This, this is not who you think it yeah. is. Okay, which uh, exactly. which folds into like the theme I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like one hundred percent. Yeah, things are not as they appear to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she does have that line right before where she says, "You know, I have no one left, so I'm willing to do anything to help my daughter." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ritual begins, and it seems to be working. And Noi, like, is bleeding from her face and between her legs, and it's, like, gross. And then she pukes up some spirits into the cursed pot and passes out from the effort. Before I continue, everything in the finale intercuts together, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just focus on one location at a time, because otherwise it's gonna be too hard. Yeah. So, we're almost done, y'all, but, like, bear with me. We're we're still at it. (laughs) Back at home, Mink is being watched over by Manit's wife, Peng, and one of Santi's men. She seems like herself and tries to convince them to let her out. As Peng and the guy try to talk to Mink, they hear a baby start to cry, and Peng freaks out, believing that it's her baby, Pong, who Mink already kidnapped once, and he's like trapped in the room with her somehow. And she goes to trek the crib, and she can't see him. But the camera is like, no, the baby's there. It shows us the baby. Yeah. The baby is in the crib. 
babies the in guy the crib. actually doesn't say that the baby's in the crib because too well, much is going on i mean at that point it's too well, late she wouldn't because, believe him. yeah yeah paying full mama bear rage like hits the guy over the head with the pot and then like rips open mink's door and breaks the seal before the ceremony is complete and she like goes inside the bedroom she's like mink mink <laughs> mink and she unfortunately Mink. discovers that the sound of the crying is coming out of Mink's mouth. It's horrible. Full bear from Annihilation. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Mimic stuff like freaks me out and I hated this moment with a passion. But Mink like attacks Peng and stabs her with the shard of glass. And the cameraman's like, nope, and goes to hide himself. But he hears Mink murder that other guy who was also there. And when he emerges, he finds Mink standing over the crib, eating the baby. Eating the baby. Just, like, eating it. The baby's, like, bassinet part is just, yeah. like, covered in blood. Yeah, like, she's yeah. just, like, she's just, like, chomping on it. It's nasty. It's, oh, my God. It's yeah. shocking. They went it's there. Cool, though. Yeah. I was so shook by that. When we I did not it. think they were going to go there. I loved that they did. Dogs are a gateway. <laughs> You heard it here first. <laughs> I love the, like, just the, the pan over and then, like, oh, she's, like, already almost done eating this yeah. baby. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, there is no chance. He sees the open door and, like, that dead guy and he's, like, should I do it? And then he, like, I don't know if he hears the sound of her eating, but he, like, slowly looks over and she's, like, bent over and then looks up and gets that smile. Oh, it's oh. messed up. It's so much. He tries to hide again. <laughs> but it doesn't work. <laughs> She just like walks up and is like, ha ha, I'm gonna get you. She doesn't say anything. She's just creepy. Also, he's like so dedicated to filming all of this and all of these have, like found footage. All of them. Like, why wouldn't you just like try to bash her over the head with the camera or something? Like, you, gotta you have a weapon in your well, hands. He's already done that once. <laughs> That's true. We know it's effective, but yeah, <sighs> I yeah. guess. Again, you don't always make the best decisions when you're scared. So, yeah. Or when you're, you know, filming a documentary. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get the shot. <laughs> For the shot! <laughs> Back at the ritual site, Santi notices the cursed pot stops shaking at the same time the seal to Mink's room is broken. He picks it up to take it to bury it, but as he gets to the edge of the stairs, he stops. The lights suddenly go out, and when they come back on, Santi turns around ominously and begins to go through this wild display, like laughing and making all these other sounds, and it's spooky. He's like seizing almost, but he's still yeah. standing up. And he's clearly possessed. And he throws himself over the edge to his death, taking the cursed pot and the potentially trapped spirits with him. Outside, where they were supposed to bury that now shattered pot, everyone who is chanting and doing the ritual have disappeared. Except for one person and the camera guys. And that one person has also been possessed. He gets down <laughs> on all fours. Surprise! And starts acting like a dog. And he, like, attacks the camera guy and kills one of them while the other races off and is pursued by more men, also on all fours, also behaving like dogs. They move really creepy, just yeah. as I know. Yeah. Kudos to those guys. Excellent job. These, like, chase this guy down and they begin to eat him alive. And, like Laura said, he is very dedicated to filming this because mm -hmm. we get some juicy shots of them, like, ripping into <laughs> his arms. And then, like, Mink walks up, and she's like, can I film you now? And, like, flips the camera around, and his, like, intestines are out. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
He probably dies, but we don't see it. Noi finally comes to and claims that Bayan has possessed her and is here to help. She insists that they have to continue the ceremony, but there is something very wrong with her. As they continue, the assistants start acting possessed. Who would have guessed? One, like, rams themselves into the wall, like, repeatedly. And the others start, like, convulsing and contorting their bodies as Noi just, like, looks around and laughs. Yeah, what is going on with her? Is she... Is she possessed by Bayan or is she possessed by a demon or like... Here's what I think it is. Yeah, hit me with it. Um, You guys can tell me if you agree or disagree. But I think that after the stuff happened, she felt something. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she assumed it was Bayan. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it was not Bayan. I am not convinced that she is possessed by anything. Like, I agree that she might have felt something. But based on like what happens with her and Mink... I don't think she's actually possessed. I think it's like her. The thing that made me think that it wasn't Bayan was her putting the incense out. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, too. I agree with you. Me like too. I I don't think that it's Bayan, but I don't think it's anything else either. Yeah. If that makes sense. Do you think she's just losing it? Yeah. I thought that she was I thought that's like some some sort of demon thing got her. I don't I don't think so just because of what happens later. I, I get well, that. The, but so I'm the second like... time around, I thought, yes, something has possessed her. She thinks it's Bayan, but it's not because no one laughs that creepily when they're not possessed. <laughs> so then when she like, yeah, did the incense thing and she put it in the wrong way, I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's a clear sign that she's possessed. But then, yeah, yeah Heidi, I guess you'll get to this in the summary. When she mm-hmm. has that interaction with Mink, then I'm like, well, what is going on? Because she seems mm-hmm. normal now. Yeah. We'll get there. Monique who is also possessed, attacks one of the cameramen and then, like, races for the window and throws himself out of it. The surviving cameraman is like, I gotta get out of here. (laughs) And he goes to the stairs and Mink cuts him off, walking up them with that trail of assistants that are, like, possessed by dogs on all fours following behind her. She and Noi face off at last. And Noi demands, very confidently, that the spirit leave Mink's body. She chants until Mink begins to speak in her real voice and it throws Noi off, giving Mink an opportunity to attack her and strangle her. Noi doesn't die, however, and it seems like there are like ghostly forces that like pull her away and we see like all these bare wet footprints appear on the ground and surround her, seemingly preventing her from getting up or fleeing. And Mink grabs a can of gasoline and pours it like all over Noi and sets her on fire just as she turns her attention to the cameraman. Mm-hmm. He drops the camera, and he, like, dies. And <laughs> it... <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and it, like, the camera focuses on, like, this tucked-away voodoo doll, illuminated now by the fire that's burning Noi alive. We see that the doll has, like, nails all over it, and on it is written the, the family name, Yasancha. Just before the credits roll, one last scene, y'all, just to take us off. We see footage from Nim's last interview before she was found dead. She expresses doubts about the ceremony and her doubts that perhaps Bayan never really possessed her at all. And then she cries. It like ends the credits roll with her sobbing in the background. You just hear the noise. And it is absolutely heartbreaking and chilling at the same time. Mm -hmm. It is. Wasn't that a wild ride, y'all? Goof. So... Let's go back to whether or not Bayan possessed Noi, yes. because 
I am, yeah, I, I was very confused by that. Why would she be all, like, creepy and then put the incense in the wrong way and then be normal? I mean, maybe she didn't know. <laughs> I Like, my my issue with it is that after that ceremony piece happens, like, unless she was just temporarily possessed, is that, like, the spirits are there to harm her, right? So why would they, like, possess her? right and not just kill her like it like there's just like some logic there because the spirits yeah. are clever and we know that i mean them. let's be really honest here well not honest but let's be real here like they do kill her and they kill her in the worst way possible by first giving her hope mm-hmm. and then having her daughter burn her alive mm-hmm. that's way worse than anything she could have done to herself i mean that's true I, I I just like I feel like she I agree that she feels something like she's feeling like the power of the area or like something and it gives her the confidence but like that confidence quickly fades away I definitely like I took it as like whatever was possessing her took her over just long enough to fuck the ceremony up again and like get everybody in place for more danger and then knew when to not like tap out but back off so that the impact when mink would come back up would be worse like i i assume that they were all just like working in tandem yeah we do know that that is true Mm -hmm. yeah i think i'm i'm inclined to think that well i i don't know if i could choose i feel like i could see both things like she's just going crazy and like has is in shock and has no idea what to do or like what Natalie was saying, like she she's possessed but not fully possessed. Like the you know mm-hmm. she's like puppeted. The demon's foot is on the pedal, like and like full on the pedal, then like letting off the gas a little bit. I don't know. If we're going with the car metaphor, but I I mean like what is the purpose of that ceremony that she does? Because at the very like, end, is yeah like I like mean, a hail mary. She does it like does she does she do it? wrong and that's why everybody's possessed or was that just gonna happen either way i think that was gonna happen anyway i thought that the demon was like making her think i think the demon was in like purposefully making her think that they were being possessed by bayon and mm-hmm. she thought she could do the ceremony thinking she was possessed by bayon <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like that's what i think it was at least that's how i read it yeah i think it was all a ruse that was just her being like, oh, I can do this now. I feel Bayon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then she starts it and she's like, I don't, she doesn't know what she's doing because it's not Bayon. And yeah. she's getting told to do the wrong thing. And then I, yeah, that's why I kind of saw the laugh as like a, the demon being kind of like, you know, look at all of this and having, having a laugh at it. I mean, literally yeah. laughing at them. But okay. So then if the spirit leaves her, why does she still think she's possessed by Bayon? I mean, I never said that the spirit left her. Because we've seen that in other possession things before where it snaps back to the regular person, but the ghost isn't gone. The mm. demon's not gone. That's true. All right. Because, like, Mink was still herself a lot of the time when she was possessed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, at the beginning. Yeah, that didn't negate the fact that she was possessed. That's true. And I don't know if we mentioned, this was actually a scene that I liked as well, when there's a point in the film, I think... Before the ceremony happens, where Nim and Noi have a conversation, and Noi is like, you know, how did you know that? Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever seen oh, Bayan? 
and and she's like no and she's like well how do you know she's there and and nim is like i can just feel her i I just Mm -hmm. i feel that she is there yeah and you know that's kind of like a, a scene showing that nim has a lot of faith and in something that she hasn't seen and doesn't really know exists and that's what makes the scene at the end so much more poignant because yeah. we see that this whole time, in fact, from the time where she became a shaman, Nim has been questioning whether or not, yeah. not only, you know, is, ba- is Bayan really there? Is there really a Bayan? But did she possess her? And sh- showing that doubt in her ability from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Which, in my mind, I kind of wondered if that loss of faith like that complete break in faith when she find like when she's doing the ceremony and she just throws her offerings on the ground, like in a very frustrated way, mm-hmm. if that is kind of the breaking point and she then dies the following or that night because mm-hmm. she has lost all faith. I didn't know if there's supposed to be some sort of connection there between those, but it seemed plausible. Yeah. I also like, I didn't put that scene in just cause it, it's like, a small moment but it is like important on a thematic level because mm-hmm. i do think that that conversation is also really interesting because noi is like well how do you know that bayan is real but mm-hmm. like how does she know that god is real like she mm-hmm. asked the same question that like most people would ask about like god like have you ever seen god like how do you know god is real but like it seems like she's only asking that of bayan but like nim doesn't ask that back I kind of think she's doing that because at that point in the movie, she is like, she always feels responsible for what's going on because she rejected Bayan and refused the shamanism, but mm-hmm. or the shaman inheritance. But I think that that's like right after they visit Santi and he's like, he literally points at her and calls her the one who rejected Bayan, I like mean, in yeah. a very accusatory way. And so I think at that point she's like, all of this is my fault. Yeah. And, I am totally responsible and kind of asking Nim about Bayan because like, kind of like mm-hmm. a, am I as culpable as I feel I am? Like, can you mm-hmm. blame me for not wanting to be a shaman when mm-hmm. no one even knows if Bayan exists? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of felt was the purpose yeah. of that. I, I, I just like think it's so interesting too, that like Noi credits her escape from becoming a shaman to like converting to Christianity, but like throughout mm-hmm. the film, we see her praying at the church like once maybe and then she just like completely like deviates from that which i thought was kind of interesting Mm -hmm. there is a really cool very quick shot or scene when there's a like a matching shot of nim praying at the temple or not the the, in the mountains at the bayon statue Uh and then noi praying in the church yeah with the cross And so I thought that was just an interesting, like, compare and contrast scene. So there's, like, a scene, I don't think I mentioned it in the summary, but there is a scene where Manit and I think even Santi, they're both separately, like, this is gonna happen. Like, Bayan wants to possess Mink at the beginning, that's what Manit says, and then Santi's like, how could you have prevented this when you, the one who rejected Bayan, married the guy whose ancestor killed all those people and mm-hmm. cursed his whole family. Yeah. And I think it's Noi that's like, who like predestined this? Like, why, yeah. why, who who let this happen? Why did it have to be Mink? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, she has a hard time believing that it could be, it could be God who like, according to Christianity is, it's like the only God and has a plan for everyone. But like, 
if it's not God and it's Bayan or like these spirits, like how, how does that interact with her faith? And I mm-hmm. just like thought that was like such a loaded scene. And like, I don't know if the film like lands one way or another on like what it thinks about either religions or like religion as a whole. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was like so interesting. To me, it kind of seems almost like a non-issue. Like I didn't really think about it in a religious sense because I don't get the feeling that especially Noi is has faith in anything really. She just it seems like she just knows what she doesn't want. So like yeah. converting to Christianity was more of an out for her than something that she truly believed in. That's a good point. So like then she when she starts to question I think she even has a point in that conversation where she says, who destined this? Was it God? Was it Buddha? Mm -hmm. Was it any other deity? And at that point in time, she's just like, I need help from anyone and any, any being that will help me. I don't think she has loyalty to any sort of religion or God or whatever. I think she's just like, you see her going from being totally obstinate and resistant to any, Mm -hmm. to any type of ceremony, to anything relating to shamanism, to being totally open to Nim or anyone who can help her mm-hmm. by any means. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting kind of shift in her character. Yeah. So to me, Faith didn't really even factor into it. And then on Nim's side, you have her losing her faith mm-hmm. in a sense. But I did have a question. I thought it was noteworthy that in the scene where she like rips her shirt off and she goes crazy. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that she, Mink, when she is possessed, rarely talks in the film. But in this yeah. scene, she actually talks like the most, more than she does in any other scene when yeah. she's possessed. And it's to say, it's to tell Nim that Noi was intentionally doing things to get yeah. Bayan to possess her. Like yeah. she said something like, she made you wear her clothes. She was putting talismans in your shoes or something like that. And so I was like, Huh, like why would why do you think that that would be the thing that the demon wants to say out of anything that it could say? I where I came at it, it knows that Nim is a threat, right? And could potentially be the one to expel it. And so it's trying to weaken mm-hmm. Nim's faith. Like, remember how you weren't you weren't supposed to be the shaman? Like mm-hmm. you remember that? Like remember how you're not good enough? Or even like, yeah, or even maybe just driving a, a wedge mm-hmm. between her and Noi even more. Because after that, I think Noi's like, you know, the thing that she said, I'm sorry about that. And Nim's immediately like, it's okay, I'm going to help her anyway. So that kind of signaled to me like she was afraid that Nim would be like, well, you sabotaged me. So fuck you. I'm not yeah. going to help my niece. Yeah, like that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a good point. It's just trying to yeah, cause a rift between them mm-hmm. and make her doubt herself at the same time. And it, I mean, it clearly works to some yeah. extent. And it's also interesting to point out in the beginning of that scene that when Nim is like, who are you? Mink mm-hmm. initially says, I'm Bayon. And Nim is like, okay, LOL, no. Like, who are you? <laughs> no, I'm Bayon. <laughs> but I think like knowing, especially like the end of the film, when... Nim is like, I don't know that Bayon ever possessed me. Like, that is such, like, a knife. Like, that gets, like, mm-hmm. jabbed into into Nim at the get-go of that scene. Like, clearly you're not possessed by Bayon, so how would you know? Like, maybe I mm-hmm. am. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I am. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe I am beyond. <laughs> Who's to say? New body. Who this? <laughs> but yeah, the, another question I had was, like, there's so much going on with noise rejection of Bayan. Mm-hmm. And then this idea that the family she married into was cursed. And like, yeah. who's responsible? What is destined? Because she feels so much guilt throughout the entire movie. And I'm like, yeah. I get that. But also, should you feel that guilt? I, like, how culpable is she in all of this? Because like you said before, I forget which one of you said it. If she hadn't married that guy, probably none of this would have happened. Or maybe Mink would have been, yeah, like Mink might have been fucked either way because she yeah. was in the bloodline. But mm-hmm. I don't see Noi as particularly being responsible, at least totally. I definitely think that Noi is only responsible for taking her to that acceptance ceremony. Yeah. And like priming the engine. Like, I think that is the only point where Noi has personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's presented throughout the beginning of the film that, like, yeah, Noi rejected Bayan, and maybe Bayan doesn't like her very much. But, like, Noi, the reason that Noi's, like, the men in her family are dying is not because of her. It's very clearly related to her husband's ancestor, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, she's not responsible for that. And, like, she's also not responsible for Mink at first, like, showing symptoms of shaman fever, right? Like, if that had been Bayan, that's also not Noi's fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I think, like, if we're gonna blame anybody here, it's her husband. It's her ancestor. (laughs) It's Yeah, it's, it's his ancestor. Yeah. I think the whole point is that there is no one to blame. Like, it is just generational shit that's just passed down from one person to another Mm -hmm. and you can't really blame somebody for that like you can't blame someone for your own family history it's just kind of like it's a part of you now and you have to deal with the consequences of it whether those are good or bad yeah and that kind of gets to what i was talking about earlier with this whole theme of acceptance it's kind of like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you Mm -hmm. don't like if you accept by yawn then you know, that's going to be your life now, even if you don't want it. But if yeah. you don't, then you might suffer even more because of it. And you won't have that mm-hmm. protective force to kind of help you. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, some things are beyond your will and you can't just, you know, you can't just refuse them and say, fuck this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to live mm-hmm. with it. So that's kind of a more philosophical read of it, I guess. But I just was struck so much by how she, she takes that guilt upon herself. And maybe that goes yeah. back to what, Mm-hmm. Natalie was saying was kind of the the tendency for especially women and families to shoulder a lot of the responsibility for things that mm-hmm. maybe are beyond their control. Yeah. But, you know, that that also kind of applies to the men in her family as well, because it's, it's their ancestors' doings that were kind of passed down to them. So mm-hmm. maybe they were just victims themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's valid. Yeah, Definitely. I guess I want to clarify, like, there's that idea like, oh, you know, just because my ancestor d- did something doesn't mean I should, you know, have to pay for it. But it's also kind of like, well, you know, maybe somebody does. <laughs> like, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks karma. that you are, yeah, karma in that sense. Like, yeah, your ancestors might have done this and you're not, like, personally responsible for it. But those those people that they harm still deserve justice, in a sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like it goes in with the with the destiny bit of yeah. it, like... I think Santi says Mink has to, like, 
be the redemptive person and it sucks. She's the medium. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it sucks, but it's like kind of like what Natalie said, it just it has it just happens. Yeah. It's like no matter how hard we try to kind of escape the shit that comes with us from our family, yeah. You can't really escape it. Mm-hmm. And even when you try to like push it away or do the exact opposite of it like you're still responding to it in some way Mm -hmm. like it's just it's part of you and there's no real getting around it Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah no um i think that what makes this stand out from other possession films for me is just how visceral it is like it really doesn't pull Mm -hmm. any punches it really goes where you think it's not gonna go I think that's really cool it made it for a really fun watch experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think the found footage aspect of it is kind of hit or miss. Sometimes I really like it. Sometimes I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's like one of the best found footage films I've ever seen in terms of like utilizing the found footage genre. Agree. But I think for a found footage film, it's really well. It's like, it's a good movie. I definitely feel like if we're talking about like found footage films, I think I like the documentary style ones better. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah. But I do think that like the more like night vision stuff like we would see in like rec Mm -hmm. or like paranormal activity even like that's the part where it starts to really like bog down for me like it does feel a little bit like too much like how many times do we have to see this guy get bitten by people who are possessed by dog demons Mm -hmm. that's fair that just felt like a little bit like too much for me like i was like a couple of scenes i could have been down with like four or five of them though i was like chill out (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I get that. Chill out a little. A That's little how bit. I felt about the day or six days before the ceremony. Night footage of her doing creepy stuff. Day five before the yeah, exactly before yes. the ceremony. Her doing creepy. Day four. I was like, yeah. dear God, are they going to go through all like six days? I mean, the first time I watched it, though, I was like, oh my god, what's she going to do? Yeah, I, yeah, oh that's god, fair what's though. Be doing tonight. Oh my god, what's she going to be doing tonight? <laughs> when she's hiding underneath the stairs and she like peeks out, I thought it was one of the scariest Dude, moments. yeah, no, that scared the shit out of me. I did not <laughs> I remember. See her, and then I saw her and I, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> this is a fun fact about Natalie. Fun fact oh, yeah. about Natalie for the viewers. This anytime, is. anytime Natalie and I are watching a movie, I will say, did you see that? And Natalie always says no. So I I saw her. I saw her standing there, but Natalie didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't make it any less creepy either, though. Whenever I do see something in the background, I'm always, like, really proud of myself. Yeah. (laughs) I am not, like, the kind of person who pays attention to backgrounds. I'm watching the characters. Yeah. And I hate that about myself sometimes, because when I'm watching stuff, like, a good example of that was, like, when I watched Hill House, and then I saw those things online that was, like, 52 times that there was a, a fucking ghost in the background of a Hill House scene that you didn't fucking see. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't notice all of those either, so you're but not But yeah, alone. I didn't notice, like, any of them. Well, I saw, like, yeah, two. I would, say, I would say that's probably normal, because, like, they're doing that because they know most people aren't gonna see it, and then the people yeah. that do are gonna be like, did you see yeah. that? Did you see that? And yeah, I'm in the same boat. I kind of, like, I focus on what they want you to focus on, which is usually not that. When I saw her in that scene, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. It's like the way that the that she looks is also yeah. creepy. Yeah. And she's like moving like kind of like a bird a little bit. It's, it's, like the way that she's moving her weird, head. Dude. It's yeah. weird. This movie didn't scare me, scare me, but there were a couple no. times where I was like, what ew. But yeah. that freaked me out. Mm-hmm. I was I was spooked. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that like this is one of my favorite possession films. It does not beat the conjuring one and two, which just 
are my faves. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel like as a possession film, it does it does it for me. I'm like, this is so good. Like it doesn't scare me, but I like it. I don't really get scared by possession films in general. I I I kind of do. There is something about the way that a possessed person like moves. And yeah, there's so much that's off about them that does really creep me out. And that's probably honestly one of the reasons that I've avoided them or, you know, just it's not going to be my first pick. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to add though about the medium. I, this was a good pick. I do Mm -hmm. think this movie is really good. Yeah. I was like so thrown after I watched it for the first time. I did not expect that at all. (laughs) I will say it left me thinking about it for several days afterwards. So it did leave an impression and it did make me think it wasn't just like, Oh, okay, well that's over with move on to the next one. As somebody who takes in a lot of shutter films, sometimes I'm like, I start something. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not, but like that one really surprised me. I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are we doing next ladies? This conversation was fun. Next time on Survivor, the the Lighthouse Love Island. Yes. Um, Bringing that joke back. We are going to be watching a 2019 film called Ready or Not. Hey! Yes. I love that film. Like I said, 2019 film. I remember I watched it, I think, toward the start of quarantine or lockdown in 2020. So... Oh, uh-huh. interesting. Samara Weaving fans, please stand up. <laughs> yes. I saw this in theaters. Oh, I would have loved to see this in theaters. It was a great time. I didn't know, because I had heard about it, and I didn't know what to think yeah. at first, and then I heard that it got a lot of good reviews, so I was like, okay, let's try this out. So yeah, I had a really good time. It's not actually not typically like the vibe that I go for. It's not the weird, creepy, messed up stuff, but mm-hmm. it is smart, and it is yeah strangely funny and it's a it's a well-made film and it has some good commentary in it as well Mm -hmm. so i am excited to talk about it i'm super excited bomb theme song ready or not was one of my favorite movies of 2019 oh i didn't know that yeah yeah i really liked it i thought it was really good i saw it late i think i saw it once it hit a streamer i don't remember which one but it was like one of those movies where I threw it on and I was watching it alone. And then a couple of my roommates got home and they're like, what are you watching? And then they sat and watched the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it was like that good. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks you in. It's very engaging and yeah. very accessible. Yeah. So I am excited to, to dig into that one for sure. And if we come up with another idea, if we come up with an idea for a mini-sode, we might be tossing one of those your guys' way soon. We'll see. If you have ideas. Yeah, if you have ideas, please hit us up because that would be super, super awesome. Yeah, like what do you guys want? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so thank you guys so much for listening to our episode on the medium today. We had a really great time and we hope that you did as well. Please feel free to follow us on our Instagram at Slashers Prefer Blondes Podcast where we post just like updates on our podcast itself and then like some cool extra stuff like recommendations from the three of us about movies that we like that we guys that we think that you might like and then we also post all of our episodes are linked in the description so you can just go and find us on whatever service you want to find also please rate and review on whatever podcatcher you are listening on um that would be really really awesome those reviews mean a lot to us and they also like help us get seen a little bit more which is also really cool because, you know, 
we obviously would like to grow and we would like you guys to grow with us. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So give us any feedback. If you guys have suggestions for episodes or things you'd like to hear from us, we would love to hear what you are looking forward to. So goodbye from all of us here at Slashers Prefer Blondes. And stay spooky. End of podcast.